The views and opinions expressed on the Poor Ass Podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of BME Recovery Content Productions. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. And on that note, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I have a new website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes. That's www.poraspodcast.com. So if you hear vcomedy.com, that is the old website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes and enjoy the show thanks for listening thanks for supporting bye welcome to poor ass podcast the show that talks about tough shit on a budget with your host veronica porus Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Poor Ass Podcast, the podcast where we talk about living sustainably while on a budget. Today's guest is Zorba Javon Hughes. He is a 20-year-plus veteran comedian born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, where teeth are optional. He wrote that, not me. (laughs) He's been a comedian since he was 15 and, and has been studying comedy since a child. And Zorba and I met back in the day. It has to be like over over ten years, mm-hmm. ten years ago. And he was just one of those comedians as part of the San Francisco comedy uh, community. We've been in a couple of lineups um, together, and then I um, moved moved to Portland. But we've always been like Facebook Facebook friends, mm-hmm. and. We've never hung out, but we kind of like com- we would comment each other on on our Facebook statuses and and whatnot. And if, I mean, it's not really cool, but I got a better like insight of your personal life behind the scenes through your posts. Like I, I would read all your posts about your mom and you know her passing and and like everything that you've gone through and the ups and downs of, of comedy. And I've also seen you like perform on stage, like powerful comedy and a powerful presence, but also seeing your vulnerable side on online. And the question that comes up to me is how, where do you feel most comfortable being vulnerable on, on stage or online? Probably online right now. I, I could be vulnerable on the stage if I'm in the moment, but probably online. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I don't know what it is about this whole thing 
I just feel like it's like an online confessional. It's like my, like I got journals I keep. I got four or 5,000 journals, not thousand, but a lot of journals I've written in over the years. And um, it's like that. It's just another form of confession for me. Yeah. Were you always, is being vulnerable easy for for you or hard for you? Um, it probably is more difficult because I was raised in a very, what they call toxic, toxic masculinity type mm-hmm. of thing now. I was raised very much. I was raised by all women, but my grandfather, who was a great man, one of the most gentlemen, but he he was a very he was a man's man, and he my dad wasn't around, so he was the one that raised me as far as the male part, and he raised me to be very tough, mm. like a like um, I wasn't allowed to cry. I was boys don't cry like when my grandmother passed. I couldn't cry at a funeral. The only first time I ever cried at a funeral was when my mom passed. And then for some reason, I, I had to learn that to let go for feeling weak at that um, because my grandfather raised me. I don't know if he cried when his wife died. I'm sure he did when he was alone. He just didn't do it in front of me because he was tall. The, the men are supposed to be the tough one of the family, and he he kind of passed that on to me. Mm-hmm. And I, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm curious and would like to know more on and I'm, I'm reflecting from my own experience as well and like finding your authentic self um as people of color I'm Mexican you're African American did I get that right or yeah. your nationality <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I'm I'm not caught up in all those you know just as long as it in the n word <laughs> Uh, I'm not caught up in all black, African American, person of color. Well, society's the one that throw all these titles on. Most people just call me by my name, but yeah, I, I know we have to use descriptors, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, the man with the beard. The man with the beard. And yeah. so, you know, like in my, in my experience, like I wasn't, I w- how how I was raised wasn't very connected to Mexican culture per se, but there was definitely a flavor of patriarchy. There was definitely a level and flavor of um, uh, sexism and misogyny. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, for example, like uh, I had long hair. And my dad had this fear that because I had long hair, I was going to get raped. And so he was very like, watch out. And like, oh, God. So it's like, I would just take that on. And like, that must be true. But I, I come to find in my own recovery, that's not true. Like, yeah, there's some fucked up people there. But just to put the onus on like, because... I have long hair gives you permission to rape me. It's like, like, no. And I grew, I was a teenager in the nineties. Um, and so I remember like I would be in health class. I'm, I'm sure I said this on other podcast episodes before, but I would be in health class, you know, learning about like 
sexual development and whatnot. And there was there was a segment where we did learn about like rape and stuff. But mm-hmm. even in that education, it was like the responsibility was on the girls to mm-hmm. protect themselves, like key in the middle of the thing of like in between the fingers, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like how to protect yourself. So it was it was very much like it's your responsibility to not get raped. But mm-hmm. no one was telling the guys, why are you raping in the first place? No one was asking them that question. So it's like, I'm, I mean, especially since the, uh, the rise of the Me Too, Time's Up, these new millennials, zillennials coming out of the word work, just being like, fuck this, like Mm -hmm. unacceptable, unacceptableness of taking, taking on those perspectives. And you know, we're, we're of a certain age. I'm in my forties. You're in your forties. I'm I'm about to turn 50 in three months. Shut up. I thought you were like early (laughs) forties. No, I'll be 50 in March 4th. So, but basically we're kind of like in the same era. Yeah. Like, and you know, we started off just talking about being, being vulnerable and it's, and it's like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm so like, I say boomer mentality, just like in the terms of, I don't want to think about it. It's too much like closed mindedness because these concepts will make your head explode, but they don't make my head explode. Even though I was raised in that, in that paradigm. Yeah. I like, I look at the young people of what they're doing. It's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. I and I and I see that in your in your post as well, talking about hard subject matter. Where you know, as as a person of color, for for me, like we like we don't talk about. We're not allowed to be vulnerable. We're allowed exactly. to be servants, so you could still have your privilege. Exactly. Like with me, people tell me to go see a therapist because I, I come across some of the stuff I. Like when I talk about I have diabetes and the stress of it, because that's what took my mom. Yeah. And uh, some days I just be like, fuck it. I don't excuse my language, but. No, I no, just you don't, could cuss. You could cuss uh, on, the, um, on the podcast. It just, it just, I don't want to be here some days. It just really gets to me because I've seen the, I've seen the ravages of what diabetes can do. And I've seen <laughs> the ravages of what like somebody with Parkinson's goes through. And it's never good. It's, it's key. Um, so I talk about it to help. It helps me, and I make jokes. You know about things like uh, politicians and diabetes and 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 life in general. Stupid stuff. I see like stuff that we go through our gen- our generation, the new generation. I mean, I just see the stupidity of it. I like the, the new way of terming things, like. Uh, had I, as I always joke and say, had I known pronouns would become this important, I would have studied them more in school. Um, things like what people prefer to be called and what what Dave Chappelle's going through when you try to every try to include everybody, but some people get offended in the the language, the the context and the language of things. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Well, sp- speaking of Dave Chappelle, like I, I see both sides of of the argument, but I I do see what Dave was trying to do, where mm-hmm. there is t- so much. It's unequal of which narrative you want to take, 
and mm-hmm. they're saying he's transphobic and it's like well you know it's maybe he is but the larger conversation is that no one is talking about the the insidiousness and level within the lgbt community that racism persists people of mm-hmm. color lgbt people of color who are also lgbt community mm-hmm. aren't treated equal within their own community and he's, exactly. he and the the dominant narrative doesn't want to look at that doesn't want to look at their own internal racism yeah cuz it, it defeats their narrative in, yeah. in my opinion of what i'm seeing of the take that that i'm seeing like the only <laughs> narrative that matters is the white gay narrative like if there's mm-hmm. any segment of of person that we that we need to pay attention to that the collective conscious can only handle is white gay demographic. Yeah. yeah that's like forget the rest of them. We don't want to, you know, like there's no such thing as a RuPaul, you know, <laughs> like there's no such thing as, you know, what's the one from orange is the new black. Uh, some Cox. That's our last name is Cox. I forgot our oh, first Laver- name. Laverne. Laverne Cox. Yeah. yeah. I like there's no such thing as them. Um, I'll be honest. I don't know that much about that narrative. I, I'm I'm still new to this. I'm just trying to be respectful and give it, call everybody what they want to be called. But that that that's being a hey, I got a list of all the 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 flags. I'm like, this is too many flags to try to remember the symbols to. <laughs> it's way too many. I I can barely remember the United States of America, and then. Yeah. All these other flags, this person with the X here and the plus, I'm not, look, I, I'm from, I, I, I just going to sound weird. I, I would just rather it be he, she, and gay. Because <laughs> I know gay encompasses us a lot, but I can understand if you're gay. So I, some of those others, I'll give you an example. I'm a security guard. And uh, one, t- one building I was working at one time, I, I had to work through the elevators from the bottom floor. You know, I, I'm, I command which elevator goes up to what floor now because it's a real private entity, Twitter and all that was in here. Mm-hmm. And this one delivery person came. I made the mistake because she, now remember to say this, she had a beard like me. And I made the mistake of saying, sir, because in my mind, I associate beard with male. And I said, uh, sir, the elevator, catch your elevator three. And he, she, see, I'm doing it now. I'm trying my best. <laughs> she looked back at me and said, it's ma'am, by the way. I didn't say anything. I just shook my head. Forgive me. And I guess I'm saying, if you want us to call you by what you trying to identify as, you kind of got to look more of the identifier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because in my mind, I associate certain traits with certain traits. It's still hard for me. I'm trying to be more respectful, but it's it's so weird. I go out of my way to try to make other people feel comfortable comfortable and try to respect them, but it's just like they snap off to the point of I almost don't want to do it. Because it's so it's such a headache. You know, I try to call you by the pronoun you want to be called. I try to call you by the sex you prefer to be called, but everyone's just snapping and I'm just like, I'll just hang with my dog and my cat. I know what that'd be called. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is a dog, this is a cat. End of story. 
They don't, you know, my cat's not meowing when I call her a cat. Meow, meow, meow. You know, like if she starts barking at me, then I'll know what she wants to be called. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's such a weird thing. But I try, I try my best to be respectful. And I try, it, it's such a weird world we live in, in a sense, I'm trying to go out of my way to understand people more. But as I get older, I sound like the old man and curmudgeon, but I don't mean to. I'm trying to understand, you know, like the way my grandfather didn't understand rap. <laughs> I try to understand people, but you know, my grandfather were alive today. He wouldn't, oh, him and my mom wouldn't understand. Like, look, boy, I ain't calling, you know, you know, the old folks got their own ways. I ain't calling, I call what I want to call. Okay. <laughs> you know, because your grandparents are a different story. They're a different generation. You can't tell them. Mm-hmm. They didn't yeah. see Anybody who lived through two and three wars and seen the world change repeatedly four and five times, it's kind of hard to tell them to change, you know, keep changing. Kamau Bell has a really great bit on, oh God, I'm going to mess it up. But he was like, thank God people die. (laughs) He's like, you wouldn't want someone from the 1800s to still be living in today, like what black president? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you're trying. That's all we could do. Just, yeah, just try. No. And, and uh, I don't think I, I, I think I think just like the amount of backlash that Dave Chappelle is getting is. Uh, ridiculous because Dave Chappelle is just one opinion. It's the billionaires that who control the media and dictate to you what narrative needs is important mm-hmm. that it, it distracts you from what's really that really from the important topics that need to be done, like universal health care, mm-hmm. you know, uh, universal basic income like Mm -hmm. those aspects, but because (laughs) this is what, like, this is, I've, I've left, I, I'll make this public. I have left the Democratic uh, Party. I did not vote for Biden. I did not vote for Hillary. I voted third party on both of those, like, Mm -hmm. election, because I saw the bullshit. I saw the bullshit. Both parties are fucking us in, Mm -hmm. in ways that are, like, very cult-like, Mm-hmm. It's very cult leader, and I was I was part of the Democratic Party for a very long long time, but and and it took a, took a while. It, it the the breaking point for me was when I saw that video of, well, no, it was like several things. Um, when I was living in California, we voted to have high speed rail, mm-hmm. and. Um, Governor Gavin Newsom like canceled it. Like, yeah, no, we're not having that. Even though it was the vote of the people, didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Canceled. Um, did, you, did it change your opinion when Trump became president? No, it changed before that. It was changing before that. When when Trump was being elected, um, when during it, like that happened with California. Uh, the bullshit that happened with Bernie because I was behind Bernie and then yeah. Bernie got fucked over by his own party. And it's like, yeah. what the, f- like, 
all the things that the Democratic Party was even talking about, like Bernie was was for and you fucked him over. Like what is really going? It was like stuff like that was going on. And so that was the reason why I didn't vote for Hillary because of the bullshit mm-hmm. that happened with Bernie. You know and, why Hillary kept running, right? Huh? You know why Hillary kept running? Oh, uh, uh, why? She's got a very famous background. You know how many famous people are related to her? Oh, really? Madonna's her cousin. You can look this up. Jim Carrey's her cousin. Alanis Morissette, Jack Kerouac, and uh, uh, Celine Dion. Most of these are from up, up there in Canada. So if you go to your family reunion and Madonna's there, you gotta you gotta up the ante on that. <laughs> I you mean, like up, what? How related? Like second cousin, third cousin type uh, type cousin? I think her and Madonna are like six cousin. Oh, funny. Yeah, and it's like I, I looked all these up. I get bored sometimes. I look up historical stuff. <laughs> uh, Bake, Kevin Bacon and his wife are third or fourth cousin. They just found this out. They've been married over thirty years. Got kids and everything. Wow. It's too late now. He didn't have the kids with her. They like the Roosevelt's now. The Roosevelt's are really, that's crazy. I'm in the words, like, Theodore Roosevelt was married to Eleanor Roosevelt, who was his cousin. Eleanor. Third cousin, right? But wasn't it like, was it first cousin? Third or fourth. Yeah. And, um, Eleanor Roosevelt's uncle was Theodore. His fifth cousin was Theodore. Franklin Dean's mom and dad also were cousins. Oh wow! <laughs> See that whole that whole blue blood that that whole doing that king's thing. What's that? What's that royalty Habsburg did where the kings marrying the cousins and sisters and brothers? Oh my God! The Habsburg oh. were hella inbred. Yeah, that's why they had that one that was drooling and and. Oh. His aunt was also his grandma. Yeah, oh, that's too much. <laughs> that, that's why you shouldn't be against interracial marriage. We might, like I said, you and me might be cousins, but it's so far down the line. <laughs> it's so far down the line. It, it would be like 50th cousin, you know, yeah. twice yeah. removed or something. Cool. Mm-hmm. Because you guarantee you if, if, if the kids are made by one of us, it's going to be a tan involvement in somewhere, you know? <laughs> the kids, again, at least they'll have that, won't have to worry about melanin issues. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you God. Know? You got to, you know, talk about that. Power is just so insidious. I mean, just going yes, back to, on how I left the Democratic uh, Party when when the Epstein stuff started coming out. Yeah. And, like... Though it hasn't been proven, there's a lot of suggestive evidence that is pretty, like, cut and dry that, mm-hmm. yeah, Clinton was on that island. Mm-hmm. Clinton was on that island. Allegedly, there's photos of him that was at the Epstein um, yeah. house. And... People saw him like on the um, docu, on the documentary. There is there is witnesses that were interviewed that did see Clinton on the island. Also, remember when Ron when Clinton was in office and Ron Brown mysteriously his plane went down. Remember Ron Brown? 
I don't. He was a a black politician that worked for the Clintons. And I guess he knew something he shouldn't have seen or saw. And he was, um, his plane went down. It was a bunch of like eight people that died on this plane. He was one of them. And they they never, they talked about that over the years, but nobody really came to a conclusive answer. But the Clintons, as much as people like them, and they want people over. They 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 do some files. People can come up missing. That's all I know. Clinton's <laughs> like the mob, you know. Some people come up missing when you mess with with old boy. He got a child out of wedlock, Bill, and not just his daughter. He got a son, and it, and it's floating around on the internet. You can look it up. Put in Bill Clinton has a black son, and it's a picture. And you've probably seen the picture a billion times. There's this black kid that looks exactly like Bill Clinton. A black a black kid that looks mm-hmm. like Bill Clinton? Okay. Mm-hmm. Same facial features. And you don't get those facial features without... It's like Thomas Jefferson's kids. They're like, those kids ain't his. Thomas Jefferson had green eyes, red hair, and freckles. These black kids come out with red, red hair, green eyes, and freckles. Well, that's really interesting. I There's a... Uh, there's a podcast episode on um, womanness, women, womanness, womanness of oh, of society. It's hosted by uh, Lisa Landry. Uh-huh. She interviews um, a rape survivor that was raped by Clinton when he was a governor of Arkansas, and mm-hmm. and um, so she. Lisa interviews this woman. It's on, it's up on the podcast if you just search like Lisa Landry. Okay. Um so, you know, she tells her story and she was raped by Bill Clinton during the time when she was uh, uh working for him, working for his office during during that time she was attacked and um and and Clinton told her that don't worry about getting pregnant. I'm I'm impotent. I don't. He he can't conceive. So when Chelsea was born, she was like, "That's not her daughter." That's uh-huh. yeah. So that's interesting. If like if Clinton has a black son, like how is that possible? When this, uh, kid, this it, survivor it a, said it was that one of his housekeeper. This sound familiar? Housekeeper. Who else? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Housekeeper. Um, you know, yeah, um, that happened. Black, his black housekeeper. Kid, you can you can look it up, and you'll see. You're like this kid looks too much like it. Ain't ain't that way? Ain't no way in the world that this kid could not be cleansed. It, it has the same facial features and everything. Because that's what the truth tells on itself. As Paul Mooney used to say, the late great Paul Mooney, the truth tells on itself. He ain't got to lie to you. You can get offended all you want, but the truth is right there. In this case, in your face, literally, you know. You know, if your if your daddy try to say you ain't his, uh huh. Okay. Why? Why I'm making? Um, yeah, go ahead. No, I wasn't like. That's why I think it's such a waste of time where people are keep focusing on Dave Chappelle's homophobe. Oh no, trans transphobia, and like, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, it's not going to change. It's not going to change Dave Chappelle's transphobia if you keep saying he's transphobic. You're still going to be trans. You're still going to be gay, or, or you're still going to be gay and racist. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, focus on him rather than my own 
that than my own issues. It, but mm-hmm. more so and more so, it's like the how the Republicans have cornered the market on the religious vote, manipulated mm-hmm. them totally. Whether they realize whether the religious community realizes or not, they've been manipulated. Whether liberals believe it or not, they've been ma- manipulated to believe that identity politics will solve racism. It won't. But I'm. But when you talk to cult members and you tell cult members that they're in a cult, they won't believe you. Exactly. <laughs> no matter no matter who's telling it, be it Scientology, Waco, all those. No. So I just like. I mean, me myself, I was deep deeply believing the democratic platform and agenda, like continuously voting for them and not much was getting done. I think this pandemic has really exposed. I mean, I've, I've been listening, I've been picking back on like, like, you know, my brother, he, he's left the democratic party and been listening to like uh, on YouTube, Fred Hampton left, this Marxist, yeah. Marxist mm-hmm. type YouTube independent journalism. It's like these guys, and you know, Jimmy Dore, Jimmy Dore, like he was getting a lot of traction, and his his YouTube follower, you know, his alg- the algorithm was catching on that, and they would the YouTube algorithm was taking off followers. Like if he goes above a certain like a number of followers mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. algorithm picks up like follow these channels but not these channels so mm-hmm. he was getting like quote too popular and it was hedging so mm-hmm. there because there's been times like i've been kicked off of subscribing to jimmy door i'm like i thought i subscribe why so i would constantly i would be like okay resubscribe so yeah, when you when you prescribe, I was gonna say prescribe, subscribe to a certain independence, they don't like that. They want you to have these two, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so, I'm trying to. Think. Right. I'm trying to think of who that is. That like, what do you think of uh, Candace Owen and Ben Shapiro? Candace Owen is a narcissist. <laughs> and I, how she got popular was, you know, shady. I don't think she believes her own stuff. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I think the platform that she has is just, she's, she's a megaphone and to appear like, oh, because she's black. I mean, it's very like, <laughs> it's very show. It's like, I don't think she believes the stuff that she's, she's saying um i don't think she comes across as authentic and and real um mm-hmm. just a just a puppet mm-hmm. and what do you think of ben shapiro uh i i've heard of the name i've never really caught on to what he was talking about or ever talking about but i hear his name a lot well he's this this little jewish guy like at one time he was on a, a Dr. Drew, who used to Drew, who used to be on uh, NPR with uh, Adam Carolla. Oh yeah, Dr. Drew. Yeah. Well, well, they well, he had a show on TV, another show, and he had been on as um, as back to trans the transgenders. He had these transgenders on, and one she did a good job. She looked like Glenn Close. 
I don't think Glenn Close would like that, but she looked a lot like Glenn Close. And and I guess he used to state the facts uh, are um, his opinion, and I'm not a fan of his either. When I said, but he's, he's and and she's sitting next to him, and she puts her arm around him, and here's. Well, I, I don't know science, but sometimes science can, like it says, tell on itself. She said something that no woman would ever say. That's how you know the the, the testosterone is either working or ain't kicked in yet, or the estrogen hadn't kicked in. Because she grabbed him and said, "If you say say something, something had said that if you say that again, I'm gonna put you in a hospital and you'll be drinking from a straw for the rest of your life." No, no woman. That's something a man says. No woman would ever say that to a man, even if she could fight. Like, Layla Ali can fight. She's not going to say that to a man. She's just going to hit him. No woman. There's certain things up here that should have to be worked out in the in the head. Um, it's just like, I, I admit that I'm against saying and transgenders, uh, on the same level as regular women. And I don't mean regular like that, but to me, that seems like there's an advantage. Mm -hmm. Like she's stronger. She can outrun her. Uh, She like, I don't like to see MMA fighting period. But when women, when a transgender woman's fighting a regular woman, she broke the, the lady's eye socket. Oh, wow. No woman I know of. That would have to be a lucky punch. No, they wrestle each other and scrap with each other, but they don't get. You know what I mean? It's just certain mm-hmm. things you allowed to. I think there should be a sub like this group for this group and this group for this group. Like they have the men and the women, and they can call it unfair. But transgenders against transgenders, as far as going at each other, because it would. It's to me, it looks first of all when they do the weigh in. You could see the size difference. No, yes, you're a woman. I'll give you that. You're a woman. But if a woman's wearing a bigger size shoe than me, <laughs> and it's a little different, it's, it's you like to see this. It would be like you going up against Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. It just, it's like, come on, we have to have some reality checks here because. I'm, th- I'm thinking like of like, you know, human, human nature, not, not human nature, but if, if I'm in a fight, if I'm in, I'm trying to remember the last time I was in a, in a fight, when you're in fight mode, you measure mm-hmm. up. It's like, can I take this fool or not take this fool? It's like, mm-hmm. or when it is go time, like, you know, you utilize your advantage points of, yeah. you know, where but I can attack. But okay, I'm putting I'm 5'10, 250. If I get into a disagreement with Shaq, I'm gonna grab something. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I'm not the tallest dude, you know, those dudes taller than me, bigger than me. I'm gonna look at Shaq and say, okay, I'm gonna just have to shoot him. <laughs> I'm, not about to, so I'm not about to trade common sense sets in reality. And if you, I'm sorry. If you get into a disagreement, and I hate to keep using this sample because it's the only person that keeps coming to mind that I know that's just really famous. But if you get into a dis a, a one-on-one with RuPaul, he's six foot, he's six foot. He uses both of them. He uses he and her. So I'm trying to remember which one. Yeah. Uh he's six foot six. 
Like, come on. You know, there's, there's, some, there's some common, regardless, there's certain things you just have to be realistic about, you know. And not, you know, uh, as brave as my little chihuahua is, he'll stand up to any dog, but I'm not going to let him get into it with no Rottweiler. <laughs> but he thinks he's he think he 202 pounds. He's 11 pounds, but he thinks he's 220. Solid. You know, he, he walk with an attitude like I whoop any dog out here. And he's supposed to because every dog's got to have that attitude. But realism has to sit in, too. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm from the camp school of thought. If, if, if you identify you're a, a woman, you are a woman, like, welcome to the, welcome to the hood. Welcome to the womanhood. I'm all, mm-hmm. I'm all about that. But in terms of like, like fight, if I was an M I don't know. I mean, I'm, I know for me, there's my friend, Jess, I've had her on the podcast. She's a, she's a two-time karate champion. And mm-hmm. like, if, if her and I were going to fight, like, like, we're not, we're friends, but I'm just thinking, like, if we were, we, if we were in, not even like in a, in a tournament, if I'm fighting her, no, I'm talking about if her and I were in a street brawl, like, mm-hmm. she would kill me. Like, I know for a fact, like, she would kill me. I'm like, and she's, she's a woman, a, a, a cis woman. And it's, it's, it's like, you know, me, not measure up. Like if it just a set. Like, like Ronda Rousey. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you're in a, if you're in a fight, if you're pairing fair, fair fights, like maybe in the, in the sport, mm-hmm. um, like, I don't know, unfair advantage. I'm not a sports person, people. I'm, I give you a closer advantage. Ronda Rousey's 130 pounds. Now, uh, Mayweather is maybe 10 to 15 pounds heavier than her. And he's a little guy. Now, it would still, even though he knows how to fight, and that would be a closer to fair advantage, but he's going to lose on all costs because, number one, he's fighting a female. Because she knows how to do all those grappling moves and probably put him out and do some damage, too. But his experience as a puncher is going to outweigh that. And even though he's a little guy, it's still unfair. Because he's still a man. You know, with the, and I know Ronda Rousey can whoop a lot of dudes. And I'm not saying that. I wouldn't fuck with Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I, I still wouldn't want to see that. It's my point. I wouldn't want to see a female get into it with a guy. And because I see these women online all the time. You see these things. You see them, I'm sure, where they get mad, howl off, and hit the guy, and he don't hit her back. And uh, like the moment he hit her, he should have had control. Maybe I don't want to. I'm not saying he should hit her, but I've seen women get get crazy, and she could be bigger than him. But the mo- the moment he hits her. He's the one in he's the one in the wrong, even if she's bigger than him. Yeah. I mean, that brings up so so much because I, I I immediately thought of like the conver- the conversations from do- domestic violence is not the same as MM MMA, like uh, logic logically, right. but emotionally, emotionally the subject of domestic violence and how women women are treated how the system you know reporting it getting the services mm-hmm. the the medical attention when it comes to domestic violence it's not 
it's not fair. So I don't know. You just brought up something that triggered me of like, like, okay, do we need to remind people that this isn't domestic violence? It's sport, but your emotional body can't tell the difference. Like, am I seeing exactly. a sport or, or am I seeing domestic violence? And then it brings up unresolved issues mm-hmm. and like people, you know, blow up on Twitter. It's like, okay, maybe this is like an entire collective of unresolved trauma. It's like, Hey, we're just trying to have a sport. Ha ha, fun. It's like, yeah, no, I'm not there like yet. Them, I'm not there I yet. Don't, I don't. Boxing is one thing, and that's an extreme, but I don't like the idea. It's too, it's too many weird things about fighting. Like, number one, and, and <clears throat> you got to get your issues out. Fine. If it's two dudes beating the crap out of each other, fine. I don't care. Let them beat the crap out of each other. Two women want to beat the crap out of each other, fine. But when it crosses the line, when it's man against woman and so forth, I don't want to see that. I know it sounds like, why do you want to see two men or two women? Hey, <laughs> they got some, it's a fair fight then. If you got beef with that girl, go handle it. Go handle it. <laughs> go handle it. Pick your brothers and make sure nobody jumps in. And go handle your business. If you really feel that way. Because we, I hate to say it, America, unfortunately, since it's been founded. I got a book called 1619. It says America was founded in 1619 instead of 1776. Mm-hmm. And it's written by a, a lady named Nicole Hannah. Black lady, uh, it's it's a. You, I suggest your viewers read it. It's a pretty good book. Um, but I hate to say, it, America's been founded on violence since day one. No matter how peaceful you try to be, you could be the most peaceful. Who was more peaceful than Martin Luther King and Jesus and Gandhi and what happened to them? And they were, I mean, they shot Gandhi, he was 84. Martin Luther King, he was 39. Even Malcolm X, I know you might say different, but he, he never really physically... Oh, Fred Hampton, he was 21. 21, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They might have incited a few people, but that's so you stand up for your rights. I didn't see Malcolm X having the street squabbing with nobody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, Martin Luther King was short and rolly poly. They assassinated him. They also assassinated his mom in 1974. Mm-hmm. His mom was playing in our home church, playing a piano. Some crazy guy came in and shot off a bunch of people and killed her. Um, so, the, you know, the more peaceful you are, and I'm, it seems like you get violated. Jesus just went around with 12 dudes and helping people. And, you know, and he was crucified. No, and not to get on the religious aspect, I'm just saying from the people I read that try to be peaceful, bad things tend to happen in them. I'm not advocating go out and, 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 and go start a fight. I'll be, you know, look for a fight. But for some reason, don't nobody go around picking fights with Mike Tyson. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> when he was a little boy, he was getting bullied. And that, you know, he's only five foot seven, five foot eight. He learned to fight and he said he knew he would never get bullied again. You know, I'm not saying I'm not advocating go, yeah, I'll whoop this and whoop that, but people in America, especially America, I know other countries have it worse than us, these third world countries where they Kim Jong un are in charge where they kill you know, kill each other and Afghanistan and all that. Yes, they have it way worse than we do. But these countries, I hate to say it, seem like they were built on violence. And the more we try to fight for peace, the worse it gets. Now they're coming at us comedians for saying, all I do is say a point to make you laugh. If you don't like it, fine. You don't have to agree with me. But I see something, I go, ha ha, that's funny. 
to me. You don't have to like it. Hey, if I, I'm sorry I didn't meet your approval, but a, a good majority did find it funny. So therefore, it's funny to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, you know, that's uh, that's basically what it is. So when, like, when you said, I was thinking about what you said about earlier about me being vulnerable. Yeah, online, I say what I feel because it's got me put in Facebook jail. <laughs> you know. Oh I've my God! Yeah, it. let's talk yeah. about Facebook. Facebook jail, and then we're going to talk about, like, really fast. I mean, like, not really fast, but, like, you know, Facebook jail. I know you've been in, in Facebook Facebook jail more more than once, which it, like, yeah, you know, I would like a warning. I would like a, a warning that, like, will make an actual Facebook jail and let me know that my friends are in jail, that, that I could go to their jail page and like comment like they can't comment back but we could comment yeah, to them exactly. like miss you because i don't know like you've been in jail more than once and i don't know if if That's like the, something sound. happened to you you've like, been in jail more than once facebook jail clarify that facebook, facebook jail, jail. facebook jail, jail. facebook jail <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i've been in jail for speaking my mind Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're getting that way online, but back in the days, that Lenny Bruce and him got in trouble for doing it on stage. He got in trouble here in San Francisco. He got in trouble in New York. He got in trouble in Europe. They basically stopped him from saying what he felt. This little Jewish man was making fun of Catholicism and society at large, and the the, the incorruptibility, the corruptibility of uh oh. I think okay. I think Lenny would have a field day if he lived today. like a little today and saw the pedophilia that was oh, coming yeah. out. I think he would have a field <laughs> day. <laughs> so and so would so would Bill Hicks. Oh my God! Yeah, he would he would be loving it. And so would Sam Kennison. Oh yeah, he would love it. And so would George Carlin. Yep. Richard Pryor. See, when, when Trump got in office, something me got triggered by that. And I thought of these people that I'm mentioning. I felt like they were looking down and be like, if you don't say nothing about this, because that, and I usually don't say stuff, you know, I'll say it more online if you notice them more in my act. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's our job as artists to, to upset the will, the, what's it, the apple cart? What's that saying, that phrase? It's our it's our job to not sit idly by and let someone just talk, whether you're male, female, gay, straight, fat, skinny, mm-hmm. whatever your color, whatever your truth, whatever your belief on either side, politically, non-politically, whatever. It's your job as a stand-up comic to go, fuck this. You gotta you gotta have a little fuck you if you're gonna be a comic, because things are supposed to upset you. That's why you talk about it. That's why you got a Lewis Black that goes off and blows his smokes that you're <laughs> supposed to have a little bit of that in you. Uh, if you're just a peaceful, cutesy comic that goes, I'm not going to upset anybody. That's fine, too. You can do that. But the truth, the ones that always inspired me are the ones that were the troublemakers. Yeah. You know, if there was no, and there's, there's got to be a Lenny Bruce. And before him, there were comics who did it too. But they were playing along. They did it in a more subtle way. The Smothers Brothers, um, 
I mean, you had to, you have to. Mort Saul did it intellectually, who just passed away. Um, you know, Dick Gregory put his comedy career on the side and fought for real in the streets and got shot marching with Dr. King and him. I mean, that's that's that that says speaks volumes to me. But he never stopped being a comic. Yeah. You know, those comics are the ones I admire. The, like I said, we know we know George Carlin's record. He he done already stood up a zillion times. I think of him a lot. I think of Bill Hicks a lot. Uh, I think of Tennyson a lot. I think, you know, everyone has to upset somebody. Otherwise, why, why be here? If you, you can be cutesy, like I said, you can be Bob Hope and all that, and that's fine. He did his part by going to, to entertain the troops. But you have, it's something that, that's in you innately that makes you a comic, whether you're famous or not. And you need someone like a Chris Rock. You need someone like Dave Chappelle right now, especially. You know, if he wasn't in trouble, Louis Anderson. Um, or not Louis Anderson, Louis C.K. You know what I'm talking about. Um, um, you need... So to me, Dave Chappelle's on the right trajectory. That's what comedy is. He came from a background. His mom and dad are professors. His his grandfather, they named the wing of a school after him. Um, you need these people. They don't have to be comics. You need... But you need somebody who's going to stand like Bernie, like you mentioned, Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. You need somebody who's going to stand up and say, I'm done with the bullshit. And whether they, they vote or not, this is my opinion. You know, I, I guess that's kind of what it is with me as a comic. You need a Patrice O'Neill. Everyone I'm naming has passed on except for Bernie and me notice. But you need these comics and, and shit and Dave. You need these, the, uh, you need these people to, to to say something. I mean, everybody has a right to put their the the hat in the ring at the end of the day. But I'm a comic. I see something that's wrong, and uh, I might not do nothing protest physically, but I'm gonna say something that's just gonna make and make make me sound like a smart ass. Like, oh, look at this ass. So for real, I, when I get upset, that's what I do. That's another reason I go to Facebook. I just. Well, I'll write out a freaking essay. I'll write out a, a, a manifesto. Maybe that's the wrong word. But a manifesto of, of my truth. Like, this is BS, and this is BS, and he needs to go, or she needs to go, and this needs to be righted, and this needs to be fixed, and everything. You can't allow someone to, especially in a society and the, and the, uh, the democracy we've built as a country, to just bulldoze you. We're not we're not some third world country where you have to listen to what's his name Kim Jong Un. They celebrate the tenth anniversary of his dad's death, so mm-hmm. for a couple of days they're not allowed to laugh. And this is true. Look it up. They're not allowed to laugh. They're not allowed to shop. They're not allowed to. They're basically supposed to sit at home and think about the death of his dad. That's crazy. You're not allowed to laugh. Who are you to tell me what what emotion I can elicit? That's kind of what's happening now. I mean, it's it though it's not a dictatorship per se. I think I, I think we're experiencing passive aggressive dictatorship, mm-hmm. especially how comedians have been treated. Like yeah, what happened to Kathy Griffin? Now. What's mm-hmm. happening with Dave Chappelle? It's like you know, it's it's and specifically comedy because like the nature of comedy is 
to call out bullshit when we say bullshit, but people that are silencing us, policing, you know, cancel culture, it's like, like, oh, you're silencing us because you want to keep your power. It's Mm -hmm. not, we're not the problem. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I don't have a billion dollars. Zorba, do you have a billion dollars? Nope. If I did, I'd have a very, very nice comedy club that I'd be working out of. (laughs) And you're scared of us? You're scared of me? You're scared of Zorba? That says more about you than it does about us. Exactly. You're scared of a guy who walks around with a chihuahua on his shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're more scared of my cat than me. You know? Mm. But society does that. Society... That's the reason we became comedians. Every comedian on this planet. That's the reason, yeah, obviously we think we're funny. Everybody thinks they're funny. Fine. Whether they're funny or not, but there's something in us that has to be expressed. You know, whether you can sing, rap, tell jokes, there's something in you that says, I don't like certain things. Be it the most minute little thing. Like, you could be like Jerry Seinfeld. He finds problems with everything. Why did they put a knob on the radio? And it becomes a bit. And he can make it that. That's what he does. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, and then there's people who get more in depth, who've lived like, the more fucked up your life, the better your material. That's why Richard Pryor is considered a god to us. I mean, you know, we know his story. He lived in a brothel. His uh, mom was a prostitute. Grandmother was a madam. Dad was a pimp. Grew up seeing uh, prostitutes. He seen sexual stuff he wasn't supposed to see as a human being until he was older if he wanted to experience that. But he Mm -hmm. turned that and the gifts that God gave him. God, there's three people God gave these gifts to and they're all passed on. Richard Pryor, Jonathan Winters, and Robin Williams. The gift of just improv the way those men can do you can go to all the improv classes you want. You have to be born with that. You just have to be. To be able to, you can you get something out of there. There's a Steve Perlman, and there's, you know, there's a few other guys that are good at it. Uh, uh, Rick Overton, who are good at improv. But I'm talking about you have to want, that's something in you that, that Jim Carrey's just, it just has to be in you to do that. The majority of us, we find our knack through, oh, I can tell a few jokes. I can maybe I can make a funny face. I look a certain way, or this and that, and I use it to my advantage, you know. But there's certain gifts that are given to every comic, and it, along with those gifts comes other things. That comes a, a I don't want to say moral complex, but a, more of a what I feel is wrong. This is wrong. This isn't fair. Like if your parents bust their butt out, let's like say your dad's worked forever at a, a factory and then all of a sudden he's laid off and he can't get another job. It's not right because you had the benefits and it was helping the family. Now all of a sudden they taking this job overseas. Now your dad don't have a job anymore and he might have to sell so, you know, something that's way beneath him. Mm-hmm. You know, that ain't right. You, that's the first sign of wrong. And you see this as a kid and you see how your dad's struggling. So naturally, you go up, I'm not going to have that happen to me. And you're not going to do my dad, you know, you ain't going to do the, uh, you see somebody treated unfair. That woman who, who who's getting put to the side because she's not a man for a certain job, a job raise or something. That's mm-hmm. unfair. So I'm going to speak out on it. Something in you, uh, in us as artists, that, you know, whether you're going to paint it on the canvas or whether you're going to write it in a poem, a book, 
Are you going to sing about it? Are you going to tell a joke about it? There's something in all of us that has to do that. You know, yeah. if you if you chose some because you don't choose comedy, comedy chooses you. <laughs> comedy chooses I find you. That, I find that to be to be true. I mean, that's that's what happened to me. Like I, since I was small, I do re- vaguely remember of seeing seeing Sam Kennison on t- but I didn't know that was Sam Kennison, mm-hmm. Kennison until I got older and I saw older footage of him. I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. the guy that I saw on TV when I was like seven or, or eight, seven mm-hmm. or eight. And I didn't know what comedy was. Mm-hmm. And I I liked how he yelled. And it, you know, and growing up in, in an alcoholic home, like my dad yelled all the time and it was very scary. But like when Sam Kennison yell, yelled, it wasn't scary to me. I felt mm-hmm. like, like he was expressing, but I didn't have the word expressing himself yeah. in my eight and seven-year-old brain but I knew mm-hmm. I connected to that I'm like I remember telling myself like I want to do what the man does mm-hmm. and I'm seven, that's how was, I'm seven and eight I, I, that's how I was when I saw two comics first when I heard on record my mom had a red fox I mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to listen to him <laughs> but I wanted I wanted to know what he was saying because red is just funny um what was he saying to elicit that you know I like the sound of a nightclub and He's telling his little joke, his little corny, you know, his joke. Women are like postage stamps. You got to lick them before you stick them. Boom. <laughs> you know, he's, I didn't understand that as a little kid. I got it later. But it was because of him. I, and then there was Rodney Dangerfield on Johnny Carson. See, I'm, this is how I know I'm a little older. <laughs> you ever be up? It was on Johnny Carson and the Mike Douglas show. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No. That's what I, now, that was, I was seven years old. What year were you born? Like I was born in 72. 79. 79. So you yeah. were on the tail end of when I, 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 I got to see Mike Douglas and, and, and they used to let comics go. I used to didn't know they was doing this thing called panel when I was watching Johnny. Cause Johnny would just set up right now. I don't know. I didn't know he was setting them up. In my mind, he looked like a genius. How was your day, Rodney? It was very bad. I was doing my push-ups in the nude. I didn't see the mousetrap. You know, boom, 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 boom. And he's hitting them. To me, Rodney looked like a genius because he just got through doing a set. And then he comes sit down and he's killing it again. Yeah. In my mind, he's a genius. I don't know. I was I barely can look over the, the thing at the TV. And there's this guy up there, which he keep pulling at his tie, he's got joke after joke after joke after joke. And something about that and Woody Allen stuck with me, like writing skills. But uh, um, I watched Rodney. I, I, I love Richard Pryor, but I didn't think I could do what Richard does. Nobody, not that you want to be experienced from me, yeah, but you know what I mean. I'm being realistic. But I was always good with a quip. I'm good with the mind and uh, I'm good with the lip. I always had a smart ass remark. I could do that, I think. In my head, I said this. I'm not, not like you said, I was so young, I didn't say it that clearly. Yeah. But I knew when I was watching. Every time he came on, I had to see him. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching him. And then later on, I'm watching. Because I like esoteric comics. I think uh, uh, Stephen Wright. Because I, I like I like stuff nobody thinks about. Like I just wrote a joke recently. Uh, I said, uh, I'm going to open up my own wine bar. Oh, we ain't going to sell alcohol. It's just going to be people come in and bitch all day. 
<laughs> you, see, you, see, you see what I'm saying? I like stuff. Nobody thinks that's out oh of Oh my God, a wine bar. Uh. Yeah. You see, I like stuff. I like stuff like that. But at the same time, I like to do, I feel like old school one liners that I created, you know, boom, 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 boom. Because some of them got me published in it. There's a quotation book out called Six of the Six Thousand of the Wisest Things Ever Said mm-hmm. by a lady named Rosemary Jarsky. And I'm in that book. Uh, one joke, I'm, in, I'm quoting in a book with Mark Twain, Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, well, you name all the writers, all the dead writers, you can name them. They're in this book. And I got quoted in it. And I was like, oh, she don't wow. even know me. It, it, it's like, I even know the page 120. <laughs> uh, but I'm in it with Hemingway and all these writers that like, I you know, like, wow. And that's what I'm saying. A little stuff like that. There's a writer who just, a comedian who just passed away, D. Militant, uh, Daryl Littleton. He wrote a bunch of books on comedy. He put out a book about this day in comedy history. And he's talked about who, what comic was born this day and this, that, and the other. And, and he's got a few people mentioned in the back. And I'm on the very last page. You know, it's just to be mentioned in that way is an amazing feat. But it's just... That's what it is. It's whatever desired us to be artists, you know, whether you do it through podcasts and like, do you, you still go up and do shows at clubs, right? No, I'm, I'm not, I haven't been on, on stage in a physical three-dimensional stage in a, in a long time, but I, I do zoom. I do um, do zoom. Ch- you gotta, shows. you gotta hit the stage. You're in uh, Seattle. I'm in Port. I'm in Portland. Like, no, I'm not doing any, anything. During the, uh, during the time, you got to do at least well, at least do once a week for yourself. Keep, don't let that don't let that muscle atrophy. That physical comedy muscle. Do one, you know. I know you're probably very busy, but if you get a free chance, go out on a night and just go. Hey, with this open mic, don't let it go. It's something there to keep it. Yeah. I feel weird when I haven't gone up in a long time. I mean, I'm beyond the stages of open mics and all that. Now I'm trying to get to the, do these next level things, but don't let that muscle atrophy. It's something in all of us that we have. You work too hard on it to just let it go. And like when I hear a comic say they, they stopped doing comedy, I feel kind of sad. Like, okay, if you were being realistic, I wasn't getting nowhere. That's one thing. And I wasn't feeling the funny and I wasn't making people laugh and you were honest with yourself. But if I see people that, even if you make people laugh a little bit, don't let that muscle atrop you. It's just, it's something for you. Even It don't have to be going from trying to get famous until the day I die. I may not never get famous. Fine. I would love to, of course, but I can't not stop doing it. Yeah. It's just like I got journals written up i write about innocuous stuff but i have to write something i have to write something i have to be putting a pen to pad somewhere be it on facebook i'll be it whatever just in my regular notebook like i got these old school notebooks here this one is kind of look like the ancient sea scrolls <laughs> i order them like that on purpose you know because i like that type of stuff you know I'm a left-hander, so we get we get we order weird stuff. No, but I'm sorry, I'm taking up the whole conversation. Did you 
No, <laughs> I mean, it, this is this is your episode. You are you are you are. I guess in my in my house, <laughs> in my podcast house. So, yeah, I find I personally for me because of pandemic, I'm I'm not going to I'm not traveling. I'm not going to places. And mm-hmm. I find that my my comedy is shifting into um, podcasting, doing virtual shows. Um, I I want to do, or I am, not am, I want to do and I am doing comedy in the recovery mm-hmm. community. And there, there are, I don't come across a lot of comedians from the, uh, from being affected by someone else's problem drinking. I, I did come across one, her name was, um, she has since passed away. So I, I could say her name, Barbara Garber, mm-hmm. who, um, San Francisco, she passed away of complications of ALS. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was a fellow comedian who was from the perspective of being affected by someone else's like problem drinking. And I connected her in that way. So it's, it's, it's rare. It's rare. It's actually rare from that perspective finding another comedian who is in recovery, but not, not from drugs and, and alcohol. It, it's from being uh, affected. Um, so yeah, I'm putting that out in the universe. Like I would like to meet more comedians from. from I'm sure there are tons of comedians out there who, who they're from, from suffering from alcoholic, like Doug Stanhope. And then, um, you know, I'm sure there's, I don't know personally, but. They they just either they haven't talked about it much or you haven't met them yet. But they're like Christopher Titus has a story. You ever heard heard his story? Oh yeah. Oh, um, I, I think on. he's great. <laughs> I mean, you hear his he's story. He's totally an adult wrong, child but... for sure. I don't know if he identifies as an adult child, but just the way I mean, what he talks about that is total adult child dysfunctional household like mm-hmm. type. I don't know if he's in recovery. Um, yeah, but yeah, but sometimes choose the comedy as recovery. It's it's weird because we all suffer some type of something. Like the reason I became a comic, okay, my dad walked out on me and my mom. Right? The year you were born, he walked out on me and my mom, and I never saw him again. I didn't know he was dead. He died in 1998 when I was leaving California. I didn't know he was dead until I was burying my mom. Oh wow. He'd been dead 20 years. He died oh three years God. before his own dad. Yeah. Now, I'd never seen him again. I was raised an only child. And I, I grew up, my mom was always working because back then, when we were coming up, they made it like they made a bigger deal. Like you're talking about women and 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 power and gaining the powers. Um the, the biggest fear my mom had was losing me because back then they would they made it like you had to have a man in the house. Otherwise, what was you doing by yourself? And she kept a job. My mom was a nurse, but she felt she always was scared that somebody was going to take me from her because uh, she'd had two kids previously before me that passed away. And I, I almost died and I made it. So I'm, you know, I'm her world. And so like, oh, and she would work so much. And then, like, and I tell the story, people say it's so sad, like, on Christmas Day and Thanksgiving for years because she had to. She worked and I'd be in the house by myself. And, you know, I'd have presents under the tree. Then we go over later on, I'll see my grandparents. Now, yes, it's sad sounding, but it's my mom trying to make a way to keep us together, you know. 
And even when I got older, she was worried about losing me. I'm like, mom, I got a job now. I'm 16. You ain't got to worry about that no more. But she, it was, it was such a scary thing to a woman that's because y'all fight tooth and nail for your kid or whatever, you know, and, um, she never got married again. She never had, a, like, not even a boyfriend until I left. And then she called and asked me if it was okay. I'm like, as long as you ain't putting hands up, why are you calling me for my permission? You're my mom. But as long as I ain't got to come there and correct him up putting hands on you, yeah. You know? <laughs> you know? Um, oh, wow. <laughs> but it's because she raised me. And, you know, um, but she was so worried about them back then. And it's a, it's a fear that stuck with her, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was different. Like, I, she remembers she would get ticked off uh, 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 when men would die. How come you ain't got no man in the house with that boy? It's none of your business why I ain't got no man in the house with that boy. She's raising me. She, you know, thank God I didn't have a stepdad because t- no telling how that could turn out. Because, yeah, you get far and few of the lucky ones who have a good stepdad. You always hear these horror stories. Yeah, I had a couple of stepdads. I had this daddy, and he wasn't good, and he touched me and all that. See, I want to hear the stories because I always hear these stories. I would love to hear somebody said, I grew up, yeah, I had a fucked up childhood, but I wasn't molested, and I wasn't raped. Everybody I know, and it's unfortunate that somebody took advantage of them, especially in like the 70s and the 80s. They would come along and 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 yeah, I'll touch you and you can't do nothing about it. And I feel sorry for everyone. That shouldn't happen to anyone. No one should have. And it's just rough. It's just rough because look what it does. The damage it does is you become an adult. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to invest with people's relationships. They don't know how to be around people. People get weird when people like hug them or touch them because of stuff that went on in their childhood. Yeah. And it's traumatizing and it shouldn't. I just wish people weren't like that. It shouldn't be. I I know it's therapists. I don't know, you know, but it, it damn. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just rough. Human beings have to learn to love one another, but not be foul to one another. But that's the hard part because we, and this, this new generation of stuff we do, but we, treat each other you know you just say this and say that you can't say this and you can't say that and the pc this and the pc that makes it rough to to just be a human being because you can't really speak what's on your mind you know you should be able to say this is fucked up without somebody getting offended yeah and and policing doesn't protect you Mm -hmm. policing doesn't it actually does does the opposite Mm -hmm. actually um yeah but hey, to pivot, to to pivot, I I thought we could talk about the SF Sketchfest that's coming mm-hmm. up. And um, well, uh, for those who are listening, this is um, it's to, we're recording on December eighteenth, and for SF Sketch Sketchfest, um, I'm going to be releasing this in uh, January, and you're going to be you're going to be on the January nineteenth. Wednesday mm-hmm. um, show showcase and this is actually your fourth year yeah and I've been blessed I, it's it's my it's a blessing 
tell I, them, like, tell that story. It, it seems like it's so hard to get into. I've I've never been it. It I, is. It, it, it is. How did I, they I find, never tried. How did they find you? How did they find you? Um, I actually just sent in a tape and all that, and they liked it. But I I I had a personal thing. Okay, I went to an audition for a, a, a contest back in L.A. at the BB King. There was fifteen hundred people, and this is this is years ago. And I and I it was fifteen chosen, and I was number seventy five. I got there early in the morning, but um, number nine she went to go do a makeup, and they turned to me and said, "You want to go on next?" And I said, "Sure." So I go on and I kill. Sharon Osbourne was one of the judges. I kill, crush everything, and I got passed. And the next one was uh, when I went. I came back for the second audition and I was going against the improv group and I did well, but the improv, improv is improv. They're going to win seven people against one. I'd have to be Eddie Murphy at that point, but I was, <laughs> I was feeling, and I did good. I was feeling so bummed out and I never forget it. Cause Sharon Osbourne came over to me and she said, don't feel bad. You did good. And she kissed me on the cheeks. You know, that very English thing they do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's very cute. I'm looking at her like, how did Ozzy get so lucky? She, I know she has her way, but if you see her, you're like, she's very cutesy, like elfish and very adorable. And you like, you want to pick her up. Um, and after I had sworn off competitions for a while, because I did a few and didn't get in, said to hell with them. I just don't need them. And everybody said, you should try. So I tried finally again. And I was thinking about my life. I'm like, screw this. If it don't happen, it don't happen. And I got in. Sketch fest for the first year, and I said, "Wow, okay." And I was like, "I, I tried it again the next year," and I was like, "Well, you know, got in the second year." I was like, "God, this is pretty lucky." And that, and that year, I also got in Comedy Day too. Um, and I said, I'm, it "Ain't gonna happen no third time." Just get goop, and I got in for a third time, straight back to back to back. And then I, I took a year off. Well, I didn't take a year off. Pandemic made us take a year off. <laughs> and then uh, I tried again this year. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, that's awesome. And I and here's the funny thing. I had a dis I, my my dislike for improv groups. One of the shows I was hosting, what was I doing? Bringing out improv groups. <laughs> I learned to get over that, but I still I ain't gonna lie, I still have a bitterness a little bit um for the improv. I don't know. Because improv is one thing, but where we are working, you got to be opening to all comics. I mean, if you're a really good improver, I can, I can go with that. If you're really good at improv, and I see you know, like Jim carrying them, yes. But generally speaking, I've seen enough improv. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't need nobody. If I fail, I fail. If I succeed, I succeed. You know, it's that ego as a comic. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to be back in it. And it's... it's uh, I might try to do that one up there. Don't y'all have one up there, the Portland Festival, some comedy festival up there? Uh, Bridge Bridgetown. The yeah, Bridge, I'm thinking about Bridgetown. I might try to audition for that. Um, do it. Do it. Yeah. I mean, I see a few other ones because I've been blessed to do this one four times. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, they like me and they like my personality. And, you know, it's all encapsulated in the things that I, it's the way I dress, it's the way I perform, you know. But yeah, I, lo I love it. Uh, 
I've been blessed. I don't know any other thing, that, any other way to say it, you know, because there's certain place, it's certain things. This is funny. I know this about San Francisco. I don't know if it's in other places. Certain shows I can get in, and there's a lot of people who can't get in Sketchfest, but there's certain shows I get in that other people can't get in. And then there's certain shows that I can't get in. I did I just say that? Uh, there's certain shows I can get in, and then there's certain shows I can't get in, is my point. And I try to get in at other shows, and I get frustrated or trying. Because you're like, what did I do? I didn't burn any bridge, but you no, know, it is what it is. Yeah. Because uh, I go based on a few funny. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, you know, a lot of comics have passed on over the years, and I knew a bunch of them. It's just like, wow. Yeah. All right. So we're we're at at the end of the podcast, and um, that much, huh? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It was like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I had a great a great time catching up with you and reconnecting. Um, how how can people find you if they want to they want to see you at a show? Uh, I'll 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 put it up on Facebook. It's always posterized up there on uh, IG Instagram. Uh, it'll be up those two places. I, I don't do Twitter too much because I had a Twitter and I got locked out and I had a bunch of followers and I, I got tired of trying to get a new Twitter because I really built that one up over the years and uh, whatever. So uh, Instagram and Facebook, uh, it, it, you'll see the shows put up. You'll see the name popping out everywhere. They put it up on Google and Eventbrite and, Okay, and we we will have your Instagram on on the show notes so they could uh, connect with you that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Zorba yeah. Zorba's gonna be at the SF Sketch Fest. Check him out on uh, January nineteenth, Wednesday at the eight p.m. show. Uh, do check mm-hmm. out the website SF Sketch Fest. Uh, well, actually, let me double check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sfsketchfest dot dot com. For mm-hmm. the latest lineup and and of course any any changes. You remind but, yeah. me of buddy. You know, I was just thinking about it, that you reminded me of. What? She's a good friend of mine, uh, Yvette Fernandez. Oh, she wait. She's, she's, a, she's a comedian. She's a comedian, huh? She yeah, she's a comedian. Yeah. Hmm. She's is she still doing it? I don't I don't know if we're. She, yeah, she's she's right now. She's in Vegas taking care of her mom, but she's doing she's. Still, she should still be doing it, as far as I know. People have moved out of San Francisco because San Francisco has turned into a third world country. That's what you should, that's what you should talk about next week. Uh, next time, God, San Francisco has become hideous. It's become. Should, should that be the episode of your podcast? Of your podcast episode, San Francisco yeah. is a third San world Francisco country. Has become, it's become unbearable. There's oh. no way it should look like a third world country for as much money as painted. Yeah. And building, I mean, there's human feces everywhere. There's. Mm, but Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, Don't it's just. Me started on Bitcoin. We, oh, yeah, wait, we have to, end, we have to end the episode. Um, we're having too much fun. Okay. So if you like this episode, people get me a, a five-star rating on Apple podcast, wherever you get your podcast, it helps the pod. Uh, check me out on vcomedy.com, V-E-E-C-O-M-E-D-Y.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, Porous Podcast. 
my information is on the show notes. And, exactly. if, anyone- and if you didn't like, if you didn't like me, my name's Kasim Bentley. <laughs> I might have him on the podcast. I want, I want him on the podcast. People get me and him mixed up so much as the beards. What? It's no, you beards. guys are totally different. I know, not oh. our comedy styles. When they say, because we both got beards, that's why I used to shave my beard forever. Because people would see, get, they would come up to here, look for the guy with the beard, and people would come up and ask me if I was Kasim Bentley. I'm like, no. <laughs> One black man with a beard? That's <laughs> You know, we're totally different. Yeah, I know. It ain't our comedy. It's our, just people physically see with big guys with beards. I don't. I don't see the resemblance. I've never. I've never either. confused the one, you. The one I get confused was uh, what's the guy from uh, the Roots? Black Thought. I get confused. The little short one, not Questlove. The one that when you see the Jimmy Fallon show, he's the one with the beard on. He's the front. He's the leader of the group. But people always think Questlove is. I have to look that up. I look can't. up the name Black Thought. Black thought. He's dressed like me. He has a beard like me. I'm like two inches taller than him. I don't get to see I'm taller than too many people. So, you know. Or maybe you know. your episode title should be called Black Thought. T-H-O-T. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do that. That's a good title. That'll work. Black, Black thought, thought. Black, Black thought, thought. T-H-O-T. Mm-hmm. Oh, All right. Okay, Black That's Thought. Cool. <laughs> you get it that way. His name was T-H-O-U-G-H-T, but that'll work. Black Thought. Okay, that'll be the name of your episode. (laughs) Black Thought. I like that. Black Thought on a budget. (laughs) Okay, that'll work. With Zorba. Even though we didn't even talk about budget stuff too much, I just got to rambling about comedy and life and and more so. (laughs) Yeah, it's like feelings. It's like, like, yeah, it's thought thought on a budget so yeah podcast what it is with a podcast and uh it's just like facebook to me i can start going and let my feelings out more so than i mean i I start doing that in the comedy show too once i start to feel it and feel that the crowd's with me where i could go here and there but it's easier to do on facebook and it's easier to do um you know what i mean that's like what we're doing with conversation and I'm walking around, I'm getting my thoughts out, you know. If I wrote a book, this is how I would do it. I'd be walking around getting my thoughts out, like, yeah, I say this. And I put, I jumble a bunch of stuff out there, be like, yeah, type, 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 type that. <laughs> you know, because it, it has to have that, I'm one of those people that has to have that energy. I have to have stuff here like this, this little one here posing, you know. And him over taking my pillow when I get up. Yeah, Zorba's. So my bed uh, occupied. They occupy my bed like North and South Korea. Cool. I, don't, I don't get a chance to get in it. They got it. Like cool. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone check out Zorba on Instagram. And again, you can check me out on bcomedy.com. Also, if anyone wants a personal video message for me, get me on Cameo. I am on Cameo. Um, I'm, on, I'm also on Reddit. I don't know why, I don't know how it works, but I am on there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess young people are on the Reddit. <laughs> young people. That's when you know you're getting said young people are. <laughs> young people. You call them young people. 
some kid, somebody gets you mad, you're like, look, little girl. You, that's when you start showing your age. Look, little girl. I don't know who you think you're talking to. <laughs> if you're a grown woman, you call her little girl. You start stunning her, as they say. Okay. Like, I don't know who you think you're talking to, little girl, but you better you better watch your mouth. <laughs> like, yeah. That's when you know you didn't know. Uh, you start attacking your age. Women don't tell their age until they get mad. <laughs> Like, I'm 55 years old. You ain't gonna talk to me no any sort of way. Uh, She's 55. Don't get me she told started. me 32. <laughs> we gotta go, everyone. <laughs> okay, Have thank a you. Good one. Yeah, you too. And uh, till next time, everyone. Bye. Bye bye.